This evening we are in session number two in our series of studies on the parables of Jesus. Last week we looked at the parable of the soils, which is normally traditionally called as the parable of the sower and the seed. And this evening we are looking at the parable of the weeds. And we have this in mentioned in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. And this is what it reads. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in, the, in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The beauty of this is even this parable Jesus explains. Not all parables have you know, Jesus explaining it to them, but this parable again has an explanation when his disciples came and asked him in verse 36, and, uh, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that uh, causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The explanation we find in verses 36 to 43 of Matthew's gospel chapter 13. Now, if you notice, you know, Matthew chapter 13 has seven parables which are called as kingdom parables. Because Jesus starts off like this, the kingdom of God is like. So each of these parables is giving us you know, a different understanding or a different truth about the kingdom of God. So if Jesus has told the parable of the sower and the seed to explain why there are different responses to the gospel, now he tells the parable of the weeds to explain why even though Jesus has come to this world and uh, died on the cross and uh, paid for the sins, why is there still people not responding? Why is there still so much evil in the world? So if in the first parable, our Lord spoke about four different kinds of soils. Now in this parable, it zooms in, if you were to say, on this good soil. Other soils which have not borne fruit and uh, has been set aside now the zooming in, if you were to say, is on this good soil. Why is it that the good soil is still not really up to the mark? Why is it you know, that there are also weeds growing up and trying to choke up you know, this wheat that is being produced? Now the English word weeds or tares in the King James you know, is a translation of the Greek phrase zanion. 
and this weed is a plant with the same stock, sort of stalk and green color as the wheat while they are growing. But when it is fully grown and ripe, it has long ears and produces black and poisonous grain. So it looks very, very similar. And that's what the enemy does, you know. It uh, looks very similar. So there are many people in this world who claim they are Christians, who claim they belong to the kingdom of God, but they are not, you know. And Jesus gives this parable about them. So look at the comparisons between these two parables. The parable of the sower contains a single seed and multiple soils, four different soils. Whereas the parable of the weeds contain multiple seeds or two seeds that are sown, one by the son of man, one by Satan, and there is just the same soil, single soil. Also, the parable of the sower describes one good soil, you know, with a bad where the parable of the weeds describe one good seed with the bad. So let's look at the different elements in this parable. Seven elements. First of all, the owner. Who is the owner? Matthew 13, 24 says, The kingdom of God may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. And verse 37 gives us the answer. Who is this sower? Okay. Who is this man? The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Verse 37 tells us this. So the one who sows the good seed owns the field because it says it is his field. Okay, It is his field. So the owner of the good seed, which is the son of man, the Lord himself, is the owner and the creator of the whole world. So Jesus is saying, look at this world is mine. And in this world that is mine, I am sowing these seeds, okay? Seeds so that people will respond because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Now there's an opportunity for people to respond to what he has done. Now, what does the enemy do? The enemy, by Jesus' death on the cross, is a defeated foe, but he's not happy. So what does he do? Verse 13 tells us, while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. Okay. And Jesus explains, so who's the enemy? In verse 39, he says, the enemy is the devil. The enemy is the devil. Now, we must remember that Jesus is much more powerful than the enemy. Okay. You know, the one who is in us, if we have responded to him, is much, much greater, much, much powerful. No comparison between the Lord and the devil. But the devil tries to take the position of God. And that's how he fell from heaven. So he's trying, after the good seed has borne fruit, and the, you know, the good soil in the first parable, now he's saying, hey, he's not happy with that. So what does he try to do? He now tries to sow this type of a bad seed which will produce these false people who would appear to be Christians, who would say they are believers, but their lifestyle is not showing it because they are not wheat. And as a result, there can be confusion in this world and also there could be much less productivity. Thirdly, the seed. The scripture tells us in Matthew 13 verse 38, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. Okay. Two very clear distinction. Okay. The seeds are here, if you were to say multiple, 
good seed and bad seed. The good seed are the ones who have actually responded. The bad seed are those who claim to be have responded, who appear to have responded, who may have said, I believe Jesus, who may have said, I have received Jesus into my life. But there is no heart change whatsoever. Okay. Now, you may look at the church today, you may look at the world today and ask yourself this question, you know, how come after Christ has paid the penalty on the cross, how come people are not responding? Or how come the church is what it is today, where there's not much of that vibrancy which was there in the early church? The reason is because the enemy has also sowed the bad seed and they are growing side by side. And you don't even know who is who because they all look alike. They all look alike, they all say the same words, they all use the same jargon, they all use Christian terminology, and you don't really know who is who, okay? Fourthly, you have the field. Verse 38 tells us the field is the world. The field is the world. We are living in this world, and the world is looking at us, okay? They are looking at us and evaluating what Christianity is all about. And oftentimes they can evaluate Christianity on the basis of the people who claim to be Christians who are not. And they look at them and say, hey, if this is what Christianity is. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And as a result, the enemy is happy because he is giving a false impression, a false understanding of Christianity to the people around. The field is the world. Now, a question arises you know, in Matthew 15, 13 and verse 27. Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? How then does it have weeds? We have a question. If God is so good, you know, why is there so much evil? Why is there so much evil? From where does all this evil coming from? If Jesus triumphed over evil on the cross, why is it still flourishing today? One of the possible reasons is, what is the devil trying to do, okay? He's trying to sow this bad seed, you know, so that he thinks that somehow what Jesus has done for us on the cross, you know, that would be thwarted. His purposes would be, you know, finished. Now, remember, no matter whatever Satan tries to do, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So, there is still continuing to be growth. Verse 30 tells us, let both grow together until the harvest, until the harvest. Okay. The church is growing. Yes, genuine believers are growing. There's persecution worldwide because there's a genuine conversion, genuine working of the spirit in the lives of people. But also simultaneously you find there is a growth of evil in the world, because you look at everywhere, there is corruption, there is wars, there is perversions, evil is on the increase. Why is this so? That's what the enemy is trying to do here. Now, both are growing simultaneously. Now, we may try to say, hey, let's root out corruption. Let's root out this evil. And if you're going to force ourselves to do that, you know, what does Jesus say? Hey, don't do it now, you know, wait for the Lord to do it, you know, the harvest. Verse 30 tells us that harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Today we are living in an age of grace 
where God is giving each one of us an opportunity to respond or to reject. But there is going to come a time in which there's going to be the day of judgment. So only God knows who really belongs to him. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, okay? And they follow me. They hear my voice, know my voice, understand my voice, and they follow me, okay? Everybody can say, I know Jesus, but it is important to ask the question, does Jesus know you? We may say, yes, and I have received Jesus, but the question is, can Jesus call you his child, his son, or his daughter? And here the Lord says, you know, only at the day of the judgment, the harvest time, you know, he says, allow me to do it. If you're going to do it now, there's going to be problems, you know, even the wheat will be pulled up. Because remember, the roots of both the wheat and the weeds are growing together. You try to pull one out, now the other is going to suffer. So the Lord says very clearly over here, let it be, let it be. That's the instruction that he gave, let it be. The judgment is going to come at that time it is definitely going to be discovered. So, a couple of important truths about the harvest. Revelation chapter 21, verses 23 to 27, you know, speaks about how God is the one who is going to pronounce the judgment. He will weed out of his kingdom all evil and sin. That's the assurance that God gives to us. You know. At times when you ask yourself the question, why is there so much evil in this world? What is God doing about it? Why is he not doing anything about it? The Lord says, wait, there's a judgment day coming. And that time, it will definitely be judged. Revelation 21, verse 23 says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives it light and the lamb its light. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So he says, there's going to be a clear-cut separation between the weed and the wheat. Only the wheat, only the genuine ones will be in God's kingdom. God assures us of that. What's going to happen to those people who have not responded? The unbelievers will be punished for their sins. Just as much as the weeds are pulled together and they are burned, this is what the Lord says will also happen. Revelation chapter 20, you know, speaks about how the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And fire speaks about hellfire, fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the harvest time. So the righteous will be in heaven, the unrighteous will be in hell. Now, what's going to happen to the righteous? The Lord also says what's going to happen. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's the explanation Jesus gave at the end of his explanation of this parable. And we Read this understanding of shining like the stars and shining like the sun in Daniel chapter 12, <coughs> verses 2 and 3, where it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and forever. <clears throat> So the scripture is teaching us here, the righteous are going to be 
rewarded. They are going to be rewarded. Nah? The Lord Himself will be there. He, there's no necessity for any sun and moon because the Lord is the one who gives the light. And when it says that we will shine like the sun, shine like the stars, the emphasis is there is definitely going to be the rewards for what God has done in and through our lives. But remember, the work of judgment belongs to God. So it's not our job to sit down here and not to judge others. But it is definitely our job to sit and judge ourselves. To find out whether we are the wheat or the weed. It is easy to point fingers at somebody else and say, hey, you are a you know, weed and not a wheat. But our job is leave that to God. Make sure that we are the ones who are getting you know, you know, corrected or examined to find out which we really are. So that's a word of caution, twofold word of caution. The word that is used here for weed is a word for something false or fake, not what it claims to be. Okay, so the scripture is saying a word of caution when you are living in this world. There's a lot of people who say they are Christians, there are a lot of false teachers around today. A word of caution, he says, be careful of the fake. Be careful of the false, you know. Take care. Don't just, you know, jump into anything just because they say it is Christian or just because they use the name of Jesus. Second caution is only God can discern between true wheat and false darnel or the false you know, tares or the false weeds. We should only judge our hearts not the hearts of others. Leave the judgment to God. You know, because there are a lot of people today who spend all their time and energy judging people. Now that's not what God has asked us to do. God is saying, leave judgment to me. You judge yourself. And you live your life so right before men that people will see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So how can we tell the difference between these two, the weed and the wheat? If they look so similar, is there some points in which we can identify and make sure that we don't fall into the wrong category? If you look at the Webster's Dictionary for Wheat, you know, the Webster's Dictionary for Wheat is a cereal grain that yields a fine white flour used chiefly in breads and in baked goods. Okay. Now, on the other hand, a weed is a plant that is not valued where it is growing and is usually of vigorous growth, especially one that tends to overgrow or choke out more desirable plants. So if you look at the definitions here between the weed and the wheat, you can understand why Jesus used these two to symbolize us as people. A person who is like a wheat is one who gives nourishment and strength to others. They become instruments and ingredients for growth. A person who is like a weed, however, stops, impedes the growth of the other. They become a hindrance to the development of a good life. So think about it. Ask yourself this question. Are your actions contributing to the positive growth of others? Are you a source of strength for others to strive to continue living a good life? Or are you a stumbling block, you know, I trying to put down people? Now, what are some of the spiritual weeds that we can examine in our own lives to check up if they are growing, to make sure that we start pulling them out, you know, before it takes deep root? 
the weeds in our own lives could be jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, pride, envy, greed, lying. These are all different aspects of weeds, you know, which can try to take root in our lives and stop or slow our progress in our walk with God. There can also be activities or people that can take up our time, just a time wasters, you know, just you know, scrolling around, just switching channels, and then uh, we are wasting our time. Those could be weeds in our lives as well. Spiritual weeds also come in the form of lies we believe about ourselves, you know, that come from Satan. Now, Satan may come and put those lies into our minds to say, you are no good, you have done this, God won't love you anymore, God will punish you for this, you know, and he'll try and put all those thoughts into our minds to say, you are a no good person. You know? But those are lies, those are weeds that prevent spiritual growth. You know? Secondly, spiritual weeds bring consequences. If we allow the weeds to get deep into your life, you know, in other words, to grow deep into the soil and you know, have strong roots, to pull it out after the roots have developed is very difficult, isn't it? Any plant for that matter, any plant in the initial stage, you can easily pull it out. But once it has a lot of strong roots, it becomes very difficult to pull it out. This is why we must nip it in the bud. As soon as you see some of these negative things, as soon as you see some of the things that are slowing down your walk with God, look back into your life, you know, how is your growth graph? Are you growing steadily or is there some, you know, things that are pulling you back? Those are the weeds that you need to identify. Now, how can we remove those spiritual weeds? To remove those spiritual weeds, it's not easy because they look the same, isn't it? You know? So we need a discerning mind. We need to know what is the right, we need to know what is the wrong. Now, which is the best source to find out what is right and wrong? It's not the people, it's not society, but it's what God says. It's what God says in his word. So we need to be good students of the God's word. The scripture very clearly says, if we lack wisdom, ask God. He will guide you. He will show you so that he will help you to remove this from your life. Also, know your own weakness. Know your own weakness. You know. Remember, there are things, you know, the scripture says in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Okay? There are things that we can deceive ourselves to say, it's okay, it is my weakness, so, you know, you know, that is how I will be. But no, that's again a weed. A weed. If we are not careful, that weakness that you say is okay can pull you away from God and slow you in your walk with God. Now, in anything, remember, if you fill yourself with something, there's no space you know, for something more, isn't it? So, the scripture says, if our lives are full of the fruit of the Spirit, <coughs> Galatians 5, 22 and 23, then there's no space for the weeds to grow. That's a simple, you know, and easy, if you were to say, and a principle. Fill yourself with the Lord so there's no time, there's no space, you know, there's no opportunity for the devil to try and throw his weed into your life. <clears throat> Let me close with a couple of practical questions for reflection to help you to identify your spiritual weeds. Number one, what commitments in your life are competing with your spiritual life? You know. What are your time wasters? 
what are the time that you are spending in different, different things, you know, at the cost of your spiritual life. Secondly, are past hurts, lies or shame still buried deep in your heart? Something that happened in the past, something that somebody else said or did, or something that you did, you know, and as a result, you're still thinking about it and you're living in the past. That's a weed. Forget the past, you know, press on towards what God has in store for you. Thirdly, do not let discouragement and guilt grow in your heart. You know. This is a simple strategy of Satan to make you feel discouraged, depressed, down and out. You know. What's the point? You know? If you have those questions, don't. You know. That's a weed that Satan is trying to put into your mind so that you don't progress in your walk with God. Fourthly, are you drawn into behaviors or choices you know you should decline? The world is trying to squeeze us into its mold. The world is saying, hey, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, choose this, choose that. Plenty of choices the world is giving us today, isn't it? Now ask yourself, you know, are you finding yourself somehow being sucked into the world system and its choices? Be careful, those are weeds. Fifthly, what distractions, worries, fears, and earthly desires keep you from prayer and Bible study? You know, Satan would definitely love to make sure that you don't spend time with God in his word and prayer, isn't it? So what are the things that you know, prevent that? Is it too much of sleep? Is it too much of other sports or activities? You're so tired that you don't have time for God. You know? What are the distractions? You know? Or what are the fears that you are having constantly in your mind? Maybe about the future, you know, which is preventing you from spending time with God and the study of His Word. And number six, what activities take up the most time and energy in your day? Now, not all activities are bad, but if they are sapping your energy, you know, so that you can't spend time with God, they could be weed. So ask yourself this evening, as a result of this study, are you a weed or are you a wheat? Take some time to examine yourself and to make sure that you're not a weed, because if you're a weed, harvest time, there's going to be total judgment thrown into the lake of fire. But if you're a weed, do not allow the weed you know, to come near you. Do not allow the enemy to throw these weeds into your life, you know, right in the beginning itself. You and I have that responsibility to pick it out. Also, don't sit judging others. Leave judgment to God, because He is the one who knows who really belongs to Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.